0: in this world does it give us power in our own lives and if it does then why is it we can send a man to the moon but we can't feed the hungry or cure cancer what does it mean when we say knowledge is power and and what impact does that have a number of years ago a sociology professor uh, from Baltimore, decided uh, to test the thesis. And so he sent his students out um, and he uh, sent them out into the slums of Baltimore. And he surveyed 200 boys and he, uh, he sent his students out and what he said to them is, I want you to evaluate these boys on what they know and what their chances are for the future. And so the students went out and they evaluated the boys and they came back and they all said this. These boys don't have a chance. That's a pretty cheery thought. 25 years later, another sociology professor in Baltimore stumbled across the study and he was curious to see whether that prediction was true, whether the, the lack of knowledge of these boys uh, would bring to pass lives that were just uh, aimless and purposeless. And so he sent out his st- uh, students, and um, he was lucky enough to find 180 of these boys, who are now men, who were still living in the area. Um, 20 of them had either moved or some had died. And so He went out and sent out his students to find out where they were at this stage of their lives. And what he found was of the 180 they went and looked at, 176 had gone on to become doctors and lawyers and engineers and had gone on to become prominent people. Well, he was just amazed by this. And so... He went out and had the boys ask them what it was that was so pivotal for them that changed their lives. And they all said the same thing. We had a teacher. And so he went and he found the name of the teacher and it was a woman who happened to still be living. And he went out and he found her and he asked her what it was, what she had done that had so impacted these boys and she said with a twinkle in her eye when I saw them I just loved them you see that's the truth and the answer to the question knowledge only really becomes powerful to us when it is shared in love with those around us. Knowledge only really becomes powerful to us when it is shared in love with others around us. We've begun uh, this series uh, called Each One and we've talked about each one being one, each one of us being a disciple of Jesus Christ because everything begins there. And it's from there that each one of us can then go on and reach another. And once we've reached another, we can bring another. And once we've brought another, we can love another. This morning, I want to talk about the next step, and that is each one teach one. Because... Teaching matters, and we're going to talk about how it matters. But it matters. It matters uh, to us. It matters to the people that we teach and share our lives to with. It matters to God. In fact, knowledge only becomes powerful to us when it is shared in love with those around us. And Jesus basically said the same thing in John chapter 8 Jesus said this if you hold to my teachings you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free so what is it that brings freedom knowledge and freedom is power and knowledge is truth if you know the truth the truth will set you free Jesus understood and Jesus taught that knowledge was power but it wasn't just knowledge and power it was knowledge and power and love knowledge only really becomes powerful to us when it is shared in love with those around us in fact listen to what the writer of Hebrews says when when he adds to and continues from the words that Jesus taught in Hebrews chapter 5 look what we read in fact though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again You need milk, not solid food. What is the writer of Hebrews saying? He's saying this, knowledge isn't power if it's knowledge that you just hold in. Knowledge doesn't really become power until you let it out and you share it with others. In fact, knowledge that isn't shared is knowledge that just becomes totally wasted. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, though by this time having knowledge that brings power, you should have engaged that power and have grown and become more, you've regressed and become less. What do we learn by that? This morning we're going to look at a passage of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 8 I want to share with you a principle that comes from that first can you put that up there Jeremiah because I don't think I have it on my paper nope sharing what we know will multiply who we know and what we know sharing what we know will multiply who we know and what we know because that's the only way knowledge becomes powerful It's what God has called us to in the Great Commission, to go out and to make disciples and to baptize them and to teach them. Because in teaching, we multiply who we know. We multiply our love for Christ and others. And in that process, we multiply what we ourselves no, the beautiful thing about teaching, the beautiful thing about sharing the gospel of Christ with others, is it grows you. In fact, really, the the premise of uh, the gospel, as far as us going and teaching, goes like this: we are to know, we are to go, we are to sow, and we are to grow. Because that's how growth happens. Growth happens when you take your knowledge and you go out and you sow it in the lives of others. And then, as you do that, God does something miraculous. He grows you. He takes that knowledge base that you had and he expands it. He takes the power that comes from knowledge and he expands it in your life and he does incredible exciting things this morning I, I want to share with you from 1st Corinthians chapter 8 and I want you to see the, the power of this lived out 1st um, Corinthians 8 um, can we pop that up there we read Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria accompanied by Priscilla, uh, Priscilla and Aquila They arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Now just back it up to the first slide. What are we told? Paul went to Corinth. What did he do? While he was there, he met a couple. Uh, Now, how did he meet? them? Well, they were tent makers and Paul was a tent maker. That's how he made his money on the side to support himself. And so when he met these two, he brought the gospel to them. And they connected with him. And they grew in relationship with him. Now, watch what happens. After some, spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there, traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Progeria, strengthening all the disciples. So what does he do? First he takes Aquila and Priscilla and they travel with him to Ephesus. But then he leaves them in Ephesus. So he goes out and he shares the truth and then he moves on and then he leaves them in Ephesus. And look what we read. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos a native of Alexandria came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. Though he knew only the baptism of John, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Now, I want you to follow this. So what do we have? We have Paul. Paul is going out and teaching. Now, Paul is what? Paul's a heavyweight, right? In fact, when you look at your Bible, uh, the bulk of what you find in the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. Paul was a great theologian. Paul was an eloquent speaker. Paul was a person who had a mind that very few people could even debate against he goes out and he finds a husband and wife who are tent makers and he teaches them he pours life into them and then he leaves them and then they come across this man apollos Now, who is Apollos? He's a Jew from Alexandria. Now, let me tell you about Alexandria. Alexandria was a place of great learning. In fact, it had a library of over 700,000 volumes. Now, back in that day, that was a big deal. This was a guy who was exposed to knowledge day after day after day. But he not only had the, the knowledge and the wisdom of the world, he had the knowledge of the Old Testament in fact jump back a slide look what we read back one more Um, he had thorough knowledge of the scriptures he had been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately so what do we know he knew the Old Testament he had been instructed in the way of the Lord and we'll talk about that And he spoke with great fervor and he taught about Jesus accurately. So this was a guy, I mean, he was sharp. He was just like Paul and and maybe even a little sharper than Paul. Next slide. Though he knew only the baptism of John. What does that mean? Well, some people have, uh, have speculated that that he knew about jesus he knew about john's what john taught about repentance but but he didn't know about the resurrection yet he didn't know about um the baptism of the holy spirit he didn't know fully the ministry of jesus now whether that's fully true or not scholars debate but we know one thing there was a gap in his knowledge This smart guy, this bright guy who went around teaching everything that he knew about Jesus and taught what he knew accurately still was missing something. See, here's the thing about sharing the gospel. Here's the thing about teaching another person. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to know everything. All you have to do is share what you do know. Can you imagine how it must have been for uh, Aquila and Priscilla to be traveling with Paul, to be, to be studying under him and taking under this great knowledge and, and, and yet not having it all and to come across a, a person like Apollos, to come across a guy who was very, very sharp and he knew the scriptures better than they knew the old testament scriptures and and he knew about John's gospel and he actually went out and he preached about Christ based on what he knew and he did it eloquently can you imagine how intimidating that must have been for them i mean why don't we teach people why don't we share the gospel because we're so afraid that we don't know everything And yet the truth is, you don't have to know everything. All you have to do is share what you know. That's the beauty of being able to teach. You don't have to know everything. Secondly, it doesn't have to be formal. Look what we read. Um... When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Teaching can be formal, but it also can be informal. To teach doesn't mean you have to teach in a Sunday school class. It doesn't mean that you have to be a preacher or an evangelist or anything else. Teaching just means that when the opportunity arises where you can share something that God has taught you, that you have learned with someone who is missing it, you share it. It doesn't have to be in a classroom, it can be situational, it can be just conversational, it can be just inviting somebody over to your house. It can be sending somebody a card or a letter with a scripture that you explain that will help to encourage them and strengthen their knowledge base. Why don't we teach when new people come to the church and we talk to them and we bite our tongues and we're afraid to express or afraid to strengthen their knowledge base— we do it because we think we have to know everything or we think that no, teaching only happens by Sunday school teachers, by preachers, by events, and that's not true. See, the fun thing about the gospel, just share what you know. Share what others might need to know that they don't know that you do know. You don't have to know everything and those who know much still don't know everything everything you can minister to people in ways by just sharing the gospel and the truths that you know and you might do it in a way that they've never heard before let me ask you a question excuse me I'm losing my voice have you ever read the Bible and read a section over and over again throughout your lifetime and you thought you knew it, and then you, you heard some preacher on the radio or some Sunday school teacher or some pastor or some friend share something about that section of the scriptures, and all of a sudden you thought to yourself, I never saw that before. That's just the way that works. Don't ever think that you have to know everything or that you have to be in some formal setting to teach someone. What's the gospel? The gospel is good news. All you have to do is share the good news that you know. You don't have to be like everyone else. Aquila and Priscilla were not like Paul. They were not like Apollos. They were never going to be like Paul. They were never going to be like Apollos. I mean, Paul left them, and the first thing he did is he went out and debated with the Jews because that's Paul's personality, and that was Paul's capability. And we're going to see in a minute, Apollos did the same kind of thing, but Aquila and Priscilla just kept doing what they did, inviting people into their homes ministering to people, encouraging people. You don't have to be like anyone else. All you have to do is be yourself. And that's good news. Because the gospel only becomes real when it's lived out in every individual life. I remember Chuck Swindoll uh, preaching one time, talking about how, when he was a young pastor um, or um, just out of seminary and, and and back in those days, kind kind of the, the whole um, fad of preaching was preachers would go out dressed up in these white suits, you know, just glowing and and you know carrying uh, these big black bibles, so the first thing he did is he went out and bought a white suit and got a big black and he said, "I looked ridiculous," and he realized. I don't have to look like these guys. I just got to be me. You don't have to look like anyone else. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be formal. You don't have to be a leader. You can teach and be a follower at the same time. Look what we read. When Apollos wanted to go to Cheia. Uh, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and he wrote, and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him when he arrived he was a great help to those who by grace had believed for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah he was a leader they weren't but what did they do after they shared what they could share they sent him out and they encouraged him they spoke highly of him to others and in the process as he went out and did his part as a leader and a teacher he was of great help to those that he ministered to but you want to know what All of his victories were their victories because they had a peace in it. You see, the power of teaching, the power of sharing, just the little that you know to be true, it's an investment in the lives of others and it's an investment in your life. And God will use it in a powerful, powerful way. As we've talked about each one, we've said each one has to be one. You can't share Christ if you don't know Christ. And if you know Christ, then each one has to reach one because that's the great commission. That's the commandment Jesus gave us to go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. Each one has to be one. Each one has to reach one. And each one has to bring one within the church because we need the church as we spoke about a few weeks ago. We can't survive without the church as believers in Christ. God has mandated that. And as each one brings one, each of us has to love the ones that come in. And part of loving them is the willingness to teach, the willingness to bring them over to your house, the willingness to say, just come and fellowship, and 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 let me share the love of Christ with you in a meal, and and talk about what God has done in my life, knowing that that's a teaching opportunity. Each one teach one means. Yeah, maybe God has prepared you and readied you to teach a Sunday school class, to take a Bible study. In fact, as a writer in Hebrew says, by now you should have been teachers. There are some of you, you've been in the body of Christ for a long time. Maybe it's about time that you step it up. It's neat because I can also see people out here who, I remember when they first got here and now they're teaching they're running Awana they're running youth groups they're doing all sorts of things because they were sensitive to God's spirit that constantly says to us you got to know and then you got to go and you got to sow because it's the only way you're going to grow See, the the exciting thing about teaching is what it does for others and in the process, what it does for us. In fact, uh, let me just share a, a couple of quick things. When it comes to the teaching the gospel, here's the benefits of teaching. If you teach it, you won't lose it. If you teach it, you won't lose it. As you share the gospel, as you share what you know, as you look for opportunities to teach and and share your knowledge base, you'll hold that knowledge base. How many of you experience that just in life in general? I know uh, sometimes in the martial arts, I have like a bazillion forms. I've been studying the martial arts for almost forty years. And yet, there'll be a form I haven't taught in a long time and I'll have to teach it to someone and I'll think to myself, how does that go? So I'll have to run over to my computer and, and people think, well, don't you know that form? I haven't done it in a long time. And even the forms I do know, I don't really know them as well as the ones I know that I've taught. I don't know the scriptures as well as I know the scriptures that I've taught. If you teach it, you won't lose it. Uh, Number two, if you teach it, you'll better understand it. I have taught every book in the New Testament in the 24 years I've been here, and I've taught mm, just about probably 75% of the books of the Old Testament. And some of them, I've taught two, three, four times. And the more I teach them, the more I understand them. The beauty of teaching, the beauty of sharing is if you teach it, you won't lose it. And if you teach it, you'll better understand it. Number three, if you teach it, you'll be blessed by it. You'll be blessed by it because as you hear it, you'll be encouraged again. And knowing that, you'll be blessed by it because if you teach it, God will bless you. How beautiful are the feet, Paul says, of those who bring good news. God will bless you if you look to bless others by what you know. And if you teach it, you'll be challenged to grow beyond what you know. When I was doing my PhD work, they kept talking about, you know, the goal of PhD work is to go out and to increase the knowledge base of the area of your expertise. And in the process of doing that, you'll increase your knowledge base. Well, (laughs) let me tell you something. Most of the knowledge of this world and this world's knowledge base is obsolete by the time you teach it because it's not eternal but the good news of the gospel of Christ is as you teach it and as you share it to others it will challenge you to go out and learn more as you teach people will say to you well but what about this and what about that and like every good teacher you won't just make it up you'll say, you know what, I don't know, but I'll get back to you, I'll find out. Because if you're willing to share what you know, knowledge becomes power. And it will multiply those you know, and it'll multiply what you know. Number five, if you teach it, you'll grow closer in relationship to other people. I can just run through my mind and see the faces of people who took time and invested in me and taught me. Some of them were college professor professors. Other th- others were just friends of mine. Some of them were people who said, you need to read this book. It's a great book and it really changed my life. And when I read it, it changed mine. Some of them were people who wrote inscriptions in books they gave me and they just added a, a verse of scripture that I had never really contemplated before. And those people's faces are cemented in my mind. There's something powerful and wonderful. If you're willing to grow. If If you understand that knowledge is power when it's added with love for others, it will motivate you, it will challenge you, it will transform you. It will bring you into a closer relationship with others and a closer relationship with God. Teaching is wonderful, and it doesn't have to be formal to be wonderful. And you don't have to know everything or be like anyone. It'll bring you in closer relationship with others. And if you teach it, you'll be motivated by it. There's no greater joy than when you share something with others that blesses their lives and strengthens their walks It motivates you. And in my years of teaching, I've had people come and say to me, I never knew that. That changes everything. I never thought like that. A while back, I was preaching on 1 Corinthians 13 on love. And and I had someone surprising come to me and he was just blown away by it. And he said, I never really understood love. Love until I heard it that way. If you teach it, you'll be motivated. You'll be motivated to go out and to learn more and become more. And knowledge will become power and God's spirit will move you to take what you know and to go and to sow and to grow more. There's a story of an Indian chief who was just appointed as chief and, and he was kind of a guy of modern day wisdom and so he didn't know what he thought, all of the old secrets of the old chiefs, the things that they knew. I mean, he was pretty green and he wasn't ready for the job and yet they appointed him to be chief. So he took the job and it was autumn and the cold weather was coming. And so they were looking at him to instruct them on what to do and how to be prepared. And he had no clue. He had no way of reading the signs of winter and looking at the sky and and looking at the trees. And so he said to them, well, it's going to be cold. So you should go out and and." Get more firewood. And so they went out and they got more firewood and and he started getting nervous thinking, you know, what if they start to challenge me? And so being a modern guy, he went and he called the National Weather uh, Association and he said to them, what's this winter gonna be like? Is it gonna be cold? And they said, yes, it's gonna be cold this winter. And he said, are you sure? And they said, absolutely. Absolutely. So confident when his people came back and said, you know, are we prepared enough? He said, no, no, you need to go out and prepare more. Get more wood. It's going to be cold this winter. And so people went out and they got more wood and and they kept asking him, is this enough? And so not being sure, he got on the phone again and he called the weather service and he said, are you guys sure it's going to be cold? And they said, yeah. And he said, is it going to be really cold? And they said, yes, it's going to be really cold. So we went back and said, we need more wood. Just go out and gather more wood. So they were like, okay. So they went out and gathered more wood and gathered more wood. And, and they were gathered so much, he started getting scared thinking, oh, what, what if we don't use this? So he, he called the weather service again. And he said, are you sure it's going to be cold? They said, yes. Are you sure it's going to be really cold? And they said, it's going to be really cold. And he said to them, how do you know it's going to be really cold? And they said, because the Indians are running around gathering as much wood as they can. <laughs> you see, you can teach and you can do it well if you know what you're teaching. Or you can just mimic What others tell you, that might not even be true. And in the end, look pretty silly. See, what God wants from each one of us is to pour our hearts into his word. To expand our minds. To go out and put it in action that we grow in knowledge and in wisdom. And that each one of us, each one would teach one. And in the process, we would grow. We would grow as people. We would grow as believers. We would become stronger. We would become mighty weapons in God's hands. We would live with confidence and assurance, we would come together and we would long to be together, to learn from each other and to grow from each other. And when someone new walks in the door, we would love them and we would take the opportunity, not in pride but in humility, not in lording over, but in serving. We would just encourage them in the truth and share what we know that they would grow so that they would know that they would go and sow and grow and together we would transform this world and we'd be a help to others. And we would bring joy to God our Father. Let's join our hearts in prayer.